Hello, this is Kelly McGee, and this is the third part of the Illuminati's secret plan. Dated 1967. Rockefeller, king of the oil industry, Henry Ford II, and so on. And, of course, all the international bankers... Also, the heads of the tax-free foundations, our officers and or active CFR members. In short, all the men who provide the money and the influence to elect the CFR chosen presidents of the United States, congressmen, senators, and who decide the appointments of our various secretaries of state, of the treasury, of every important federal agency, are members of the CFR, and very obedient members indeed. Now, just to cement that fact, I will mention the names of a few of the United States presidents who were members of the CFR. Franklin Roosevelt, Herbert Hoover, Dwight D. Eisenhower, Jack Kennedy. Others who were considered for the presidency are Thomas E. Dewey, Adlai Stevenson, Nixon, and vice president of a CFR subsidiary, Barry Goldwater. Among the important cabinet members of the various administrations, we have John Forster Dulles, Alan Dulles, Cordell Hull, John J. McCloy, Morgenthau, Clarence Dillon, Rusk, McNamara, and just to emphasize the red color of the CFR, we have as members such men as Alger Hiss, Ralph Bunch, Pasvolsky, Harry Dexter White, real name Weiss, Owen Lattimore, Philip Jeffy, etc., etc. Simultaneously, they were flooding thousands of homosexuals and other blackmailable characters into all the federal agencies from the White House down. Remember Johnson's great friend Jenkins and Bobby Baker? Now, there were many jobs the new CFR had to accomplish. They required much help. So their first job was to set up various subsidiaries to whom they assigned special objectives. I can't name all the subsidiaries in this recording, but the following are a few. The Foreign Policy Association, FPA. The World Affairs Council, WAC. The Business Advisory Council, BAC. The Notorious ADA, Americans for Democratic Action, virtually headed by Walter Ruther. The notorious 1313 in Chicago. Barry Goldwater was, and no doubt still is, a vice president of one of the CFR subsidiaries. In addition, the CFR set up special committees in every state in the Union to whom they assigned the various local state operations. Simultaneously, the Rothschilds set up similar CFR-like control groups in England, France, Germany, and other nations to control world conditions and cooperate with CFR to bring about another world war. But the CFR's first and foremost job was to get complete control of our mass communications media. The control of the press was assigned to Rockefeller. Thus, Henry Luce, who recently died, was financed to set up a number of national magazines, among them Life, Time, Fortune, and others which publish USSR in America.
The Rockefellers also directly or indirectly financed the Cowles Brothers Look magazine and a chain of newspapers. They also financed a man named Sam Newhouse to buy up and build a chain of newspapers all over the country. And the late Eugene Meyer, one of the founders of CFR, bought the Washington Post, Newsweek, the Weekly Magazine, and other publications. At the same time, CFR began to develop and nurture a new breed of scurrilous columnists and editorial writers, such as Walter Lippmann, Drew Pearson, the Alsops, Herbert Matthews, Erwin Canham, and others of that ilk, who called themselves liberals, who proclaimed that Americanism is isolationism, that isolationism is warmongerism, that anti-communism is anti-Semitism and racism. All that took time, of course, but today our entire press, except for some local small-town papers and weeklies published by patriotic organizations, is completely controlled by CFR stooges, and thus they finally succeeded in breaking us up into a nation of quarreling, wrangling, squabbling, hating factions. Now, if you still wonder about the splanted news and outright lies you read in your paper, you have the answer. To the Laymans, Goldman Sachs, Kuhn Loeb, and the Warburgs, the CFR assigned the job of getting control of the motion picture industry, Hollywood, radio and television, and believe you me, they succeeded. If you still wonder about the strange propaganda broadcasts by the Ed Murrows, Chet Huntley, Howard K. Smith, Eric Severide, Drew Pearson, and others of that ilk, you have the answer. If you wonder about all the smut, sex, pornography, and mixed marriage films you see in your movie theater and on your TV set, all of which is demoralizing our youth, you have the answer. The whole story of the CFR conspiracy takeover of our mass communications media is far too long to include in this recording, but you can find it in the news bulletin number 125, entitled How to Get the Reds Out of Communications Media. It was published and brought up to date by the Cinema Educational Guild. It tells in detail how the press, the movies, TV and radio have been, and still are, used to brainwash the people, to demoralize our youth, and they have been and still are encouraging and creating sympathy for the rioting Negro civil rights lawlessness. You can get a copy of this news bulletin by writing to the Cinema Educational Guild, Post Office Box 46205, Hollywood, California. Now to refresh your memory, let's go back for a moment. Wilson's flop had torpedoed all chances of transforming that League of Nations into the conspirators' hope for one-world government housing. So the Jacob Schiff plot had to be done all over again. And they organized the CFR to do it. We also know how successfully the CFR did that job of brainwashing and destroying the unity of the American people. But as was the case with the Schiff plot, the climax and the creation of a new housing for their one world government required another world war a war that would be even more horrible and more devastating than the First World War, in order to get the people of the world to again clamor for peace and a means to end all wars. But the CFR realized that the aftermath 
of World War II would have to be more carefully planned so that there would be no escape from the new one world trap, another League of Nations, that would emerge from the new war, the trap we now know as the United Nations. And they hit upon a perfect strategy to ensure that no escape. Here is how they did it. In 1943, in the midst of the war, they prepared the framework for the United Nations, and it was handed over to Roosevelt and our State Department to be given birth by Alger Hiss, Pazvolsky, Dalton Trumbo, and other American traitors, thus making the whole scheme a United States baby. Then to fix our parenthood, New York City was to become the nursery for the monstrosity. After that, we could hardly walk out on our own baby, now could we? Anyway, that's how the conspirators figured it would work, and so far it has. And the liberal Rockefeller donated the land for the United Nations building. The United Nations Charter was written by Alger Hiss, Bozvolsky, Dalton Trumbo, and other CFR stooges. A phony so-called UN conference was set up in San Francisco in 1945. All the so-called representatives of 50-odd nations gathered there, promptly signed the charter. And the despicable traitor, Alger Hiss, flew to Washington with it, elatedly submitted it to our Senate, and the Senate, elected by our people to safeguard our security, signed the charter without so much as reading it. The question is, how many of our senators were even then traitorous stooges of the CFR? Anyway, it was thus that the people accepted the United Nations as a holy of holies and enabled traitor Earl Warren to virtually destroy our Constitution by basing all his traitorous decisions on the UN Charter thus making that charter virtually our law of the land. However, for all the dirty work that had to be done to solidify the UN, the new housing of the One World Plot, they still required the aid of our leaders in Washington. So now I will emphasize the fiendish cleverness of the CFR masterminds. To the vast majority of the American people, our foreign policy for many years has been a complete enigma. Most of us simply can't understand why this great nation is seemingly floundering so helplessly in the art of diplomacy. We can't understand why our leaders are seemingly so confused and bewildered in all their dealings with Moscow, France, and other nations, and with the UN. We always hear them proclaiming that in view of our overwhelming economic and military superiority, we must always lead from strength. Yet at all the summit meetings and conferences, they cringe and stammer and stutter, and so to speak, come out with their tails between their hind legs. We can't understand the foreign aid to Tito, an avowed enemy, to Poland, an avowed enemy, to all the avowed communist nations, we can't understand why the expenditure of hundreds of billions of dollars has failed to slow down, let alone stop, the march of communism. We are perplexed by the seeming ineptness of the State Department, the Defense Department, the CIA, the USIA, of all our federal agencies, 
Again and again and again we have been startled, shocked, bewildered, and horrified by their mistakes in Berlin, in Korea, in Laos, in Katanga, in Cuba, in Vietnam. Mistakes that always favor the enemy, never the United States. Under the law of averages, they should have made at least one, one or two mistakes in our favor, but they never did. What's the answer? The answer is the CFR and the parts played by their subsidiaries and stooges in Washington. Thus we know that complete control of our foreign relation policy is the key to the success of the entire Illuminati One World plot. Here is the further proof. Earlier I fully established that Schiff and his gang had financed the Lenin Trotsky Stalin takeover of Russia and fashioned its communist regime into becoming their chief instrument to keep the world in turmoil and to finally terrorize all of us into seeking peace in a UN one world government. But the conspirators knew that the Moscow gang could not become such an instrument until and unless the whole world would accept the communist regime as the legitimate de jure government of Russia. Only one thing could accomplish that, recognition by the United States. The conspirators figured that the whole world would follow our lead, and that's when the Wilson flop very nearly wrecked the entire plot. Throughout the following three Republican administrations, the CFR pulled every trick in their bag to induce Harding, Coolidge, and Hoover to grant that recognition, but all three refused. As a result, in the late 1920s, the Stalin regime was in dire straits. Despite all purges and secret police controls, the Russian people were growing more and more restive. It is a matter of record, admitted by Litvinov, that during 1931 and 1932, Stalin and his whole gang were always packed and ready for instant flight. Then in November 1932, the conspirators achieved their greatest coup. They landed Franklin Roosevelt in the White House. Crafty, unscrupulous, utterly without conscience, that charlatan traitor turned the trick for them. Without even asking consent of Congress, he unlawfully proclaimed recognition for the Stalin regime. That did it. And exactly as the conspirators figured, the whole world did follow our lead. Automatically, that squelched the previously growing resistance movement of the Russian people. That automatically launched the greatest menace the civilized world has ever known. The rest is too well known to need repeating. We know how Roosevelt and his traitorous State Department kept building up the communist menace right here in our own country, and thus throughout the world. We know how he perpetrated that Pearl Harbor atrocity for his excuse to hurl us into World War II. We know all about his secret meetings with Stalin at Yalta and how he, with Eisenhower's help, delivered the Balkans and Berlin to Moscow. And last, but by no means least, we know that that 20th century Benedict Arnold not only dragged us into that new corridor, the United Nations, into one world government, but actually schemed all the arrangements to plant it within our country. In short, the day that Roosevelt entered the White House, the CFR conspirators regained full control of our foreign relations machinery and firmly established the United Nations as the housing for the Illuminati One World Government. I wish to stress one other very vital point. 
That Wilson League of Nations plot brought Schiff and his gang to the realization that control of just the Democratic Party was not enough. True, they could create a crisis during the Republican administration, as they did in 1929 with their Federal Reserve manufactured crash and depression, which would bring another Democrat stooge back into the White House. But they realized that a four-year disruption in their control of our foreign relation policies could play havoc with the progress of their conspiracy. It could even break up their entire strategy, as it almost did before Roosevelt saved it with his recognition of the Stalin regime. Thereupon, after that Wilson debacle, they began to formulate plans to achieve control of both of our national parties. But that posed a problem for them. Manpower, stooges in the Republican Party, also added manpower for the Democratic Party because control of just the man in the White House would not be enough. They'd have to provide that man with trained stooges for his entire cabinet, men to head the State Department, the Treasury Department, the Pentagon, the CIA, the USIA, etc. In short, every member of the various cabinets would have to be a chosen tool of the CFR, such as Rusk and McNamara. Also, all undersecretaries and assistant secretaries that would give the conspirators absolute control of all our policies, both domestic and, most important, foreign. That course of action would require a reserve pool of trained stooges, instantaneously ready for administrative changes and for all other exigencies. All such stooges would of necessity have to be men of national reputation, high in the esteem of the people, but they would have to be men without honor, without scruple, without conscience, men who would be vulnerable to blackmail. It is needless for me to stress how well the CFR succeeded. The immortal Joe McCarthy fully revealed that there are thousands of such security risks in all federal agencies. Scott McCloud unmasked thousands more, and you know the price Otepka has had to pay and is still paying for his expositions before a Senate committee of the traitors in the State Department. And you know that the men in the State Department who delivered Cuba to Castro have not only been shielded, but promoted. To the crux of the whole one world government plot and the maneuvering necessary to create another League of Nations to house such a government. As I have already stated, the conspirators knew that only another world war was vital for the success of their plot. It would have to be such a horrifying world war that the peoples of the world would cry out for the creation of some kind of a world organization that could assure everlasting peace. But how could such a war be brought about? All the European nations were at peace. None had any quarrels with their neighboring nations. And certainly their tools in Moscow wouldn't dare to start a war. Even Stalin realized that it would mean the overthrow of his regime unless so-called patriotism would weld the Russian people behind him. But the conspirators had to have a war. They had to find or create some kind of an incident to launch it. And they found it in a little inconspicuous and repulsive little man who called himself Adolf Hitler. Hitler, an impecunious Austrian house painter, had been a corporal in the German army. 
He made the defeat of Germany into a personal grievance. He began to rabble-rouse about it in the Munich, Germany area. He began to spout about restoring the greatness of the German Empire and the might of the German soldiery. He advocated the restoration of the old German military to be used to conquer the whole world. Strangely enough, Hitler, the little clown that he was, could deliver a rabble-rousing speech, and he did have a certain kind of magnetism. But the new authorities in Germany didn't want any more wars, and they promptly threw the obnoxious Austrian house painter into a prison cell. Aha! Here was the man, decided the conspirators, who, properly directed and financed, could be the key to another world war. So while he was in prison, they had Rudolf Hess and Goering write a book which they titled Mein Kampf and attributed the authorship to Hitler, exactly as Litvinov wrote Mission to Moscow and attributed the authorship to Joseph Davies, then our ambassador to Russia, and a stooge of the CFR. In Mein Kampf, Hitler, the pseudo-author, outlined his grievances and how he would restore the German people to their former greatness. The conspirators then arranged for a wide circulation of the book among the German people in order to arouse a fanatical following for him. On his release from prison, also arranged by the conspirators, they began to groom him and finance him to travel to other parts of Germany to deliver his rabble-rousing speeches. Soon he gathered a growing following among other veterans of the war, and that soon spread to the masses, who began to see in him as savior for their beloved Germany. Then came his leadership of what he called his Brown Shirt Army and the March on Berlin. That required a great deal of financing, but the Rothschilds, the Warburgs, and others of the conspirators provided all the money he needed. Gradually, Hitler became the idol of the German people, and then they overthrew the von Hindenburg government, and Hitler became the new Fuhrer. But that still was no reason for a war. The rest of the world watched Hitler's rise, but saw no reason to interfere in what was distinctly a domestic condition within Germany. Certainly none of the other nations felt it was a reason for another war against Germany, and the German people were not yet incited into enough of a frenzy to commit any acts against any neighboring nation, not even against France, that would lead to a war. The conspirators realized they would have to create such a frenzy. A frenzy that would cause the German people to throw caution to the winds and at the same time horrify the whole world. And incidentally, Mein Kampf was actually a follow-up of Karl Marx's book, A World Without Jews. The conspirators suddenly remembered how the Schiff Rothschild gang had engineered the pogroms in Russia, which slaughtered many, many thousands of Jews and created a worldwide hatred for Russia. And they decided to use that same unconscionable trick to inflame the new Hitler-led German people into a murderous hatred of the Jews. Now it is true that the German people never had any particular affection for the Jews, but neither did they have an ingrained hatred for them. Such a hatred would have to be manufactured. So Hitler was used to create it. This idea more than appealed to Hitler. 
He saw in it the grisly gimmick to make him the godman of the German people. Thus craftily inspired and coached by his financial advisors, the Warburgs, Rothschilds, and all the Illuminati masterminds, he blamed the Jews for the hated Versailles Treaty and for the financial ruination that followed the war. The rest is history. We know all about the Hitler concentration camps and the incineration of hundreds of thousands of Jews, not the six million, nor even the 600,000 claimed by the conspirators, but it was enough. And here let me reiterate how little the internationalist bankers, the Rothschilds, Schiffs, Lehmanns, Warburgs, Baruchs, care about their racial brethren who were the victims of their nefarious schemes. In their eyes, the slaughter of the several hundred thousand innocent Jews by Hitler didn't bother them at all. They considered it a necessary sacrifice to further their Illuminati one-world plot. Just as the slaughter of the many millions in the wars that followed was a similar necessary sacrifice. And here is another grisly detail about those concentration camps. Many of the Hitler soldier executioners in those camps had previously been sent to Russia to acquire their arts of torture and brutalization so as to emphasize the horrors of the atrocities. All this created a new worldwide hatred for the German people, but it still did not provide a cause for war. Thereupon, Hitler was incited to demand the Sudetenland. You remember how Chamberlain and the then diplomats of Czechoslovakia and France surrendered to that demand? That led to further Hitlerian demands for territories in Poland and in the French Tsar territories. Those demands were rejected. Then came his pact with Stalin. Hitler had been screaming hatred against communism. Oh, how he ranted against communism. But actually, Nazism was nothing but socialism. And communism is, in fact, socialism. But Hitler disregarded all that. He entered into a pact with Stalin to attack and divide Poland between them. While Stalin marched into one part of Poland, for which he was never blamed, the Illuminati mastermind saw to that, Hitler launched a blitzkrieg on Poland from his side. The conspirators finally had their new world war. And what a horrible war it was. And in 1945, the conspirators finally achieved the United Nations, their new housing for their one world government. And truly amazing, all of the American people hailed this foul outfit as a holy of holies. Even after all the true facts about how the UN was created were revealed, the American people continued to worship that evil outfit. Even after Alger Hiss was unmasked as a Soviet spy and traitor, the American people continued to believe in the UN. Even after I had publicly revealed the secret agreement between Hiss and Molotov that a Russian would always be the head of the military secretariat and by that token, the real master of the UN, most of the American people continued to believe that the UN could do no wrong. Even after Trigby Lee, the first secretary general of the UN, 
confirmed that Hiss-Molotov secret agreement in his book, For the Cause of Peace, the vast majority of our people refused to lose faith in the UN. Even after the truth about the Korean War was revealed, how the Russian general Vasiliev, head of that UN military secretariat, was given a leave of absence by the UN so that he could take command of the North Koreans and Red Chinese who were fighting the so-called UN police action under our own General MacArthur, who by orders of the UN was fired by the pusillanimous Truman in order to prevent his winning that war, our people still believed in the UN, despite our 150,000 sons who were murdered and maimed in that war the people continued to regard the UN as a sure means for peace. Even after it was revealed in 1951 that the UN, using our own American soldiers under UN command and the UN flag, in collusion with our traitorous State Department and the Pentagon, had been invading many small cities in California and Texas in order to perfect their plan for the complete takeover of our country, most of our people brushed it off and continued their belief that the UN is a holy of holies. Do you know that the UN Charter was written by traitor Alger Hiss, Molotov, and Vyshinsky? That Hiss and Molotov had made that secret agreement that the military chief of the UN was always to be a Russian appointed by Moscow? Do you know that at their secret meetings at Yalta, Roosevelt, and Stalin, at the behest of the Illuminati, operating as the CFR, decided that the UN must be placed on American soil. Do you know that most of the UN Charter was copied intact, word for word, from the Marx Manifesto and Russia's so-called Constitution? Do you know that the only two senators who voted against the UN so-called treaty were the only two senators who had read it? Do you know that since the UN was founded, communist enslavement has grown from 250 million to 1 billion? Do you know that since the UN was founded to ensure peace, there have been at least 20 major wars incited by the UN, just as they are now inciting a war against little Rhodesia? Do you know that under the UN setup, the American taxpayers have been forced to make up the UN Treasury deficit of many millions of dollars because of Russia's refusal to pay her share? Do you know that the UN has never passed a resolution condemning Russia or her so-called satellites, but always condemns our allies? Do you know that J. Edgar Hoover said, the overwhelming majority of the communist delegations to the UN are espionage agents. And now, 66 senators voted for a consular treaty to open our entire country to Russian spies and saboteurs. Do you know that the UN helps Russia's conquest of the world by preventing the free world from taking any action whatsoever except to debate each new aggression in the UN General Assembly. Do you know that at the time of the Korean War, there were 60 nations in the UN, yet 95% of the UN forces were our American sons, and practically 100% of the cost was paid by the United States taxpayers. And surely you know that the UN policy 
during the Korean War was to prevent us from winning that war. Do you know that all the battle plans of General MacArthur had to go first to the UN to be relayed to Vasiliev, commander of the North Koreans and Red Chinese, and that any future wars fought by our sons under the UN flag would have to be fought under the control of the UN Security Council. Do you know that the UN has never done anything about the 80,000 Russian-Mongolian troops that occupy Hungary? Where was the UN when the Hungarian freedom fighters were slaughtered by the Russians? Do you know that the UN and its peace army turned the Congo over to the communists? Do you know that the UN's own so-called peace force was used to crush, rape, and kill the white anti-communists in Katanga? Do you know that the UN stood by and did nothing while Red China invaded Laos and Vietnam? That it did nothing while Nehru invaded Goa and other Portuguese territories? Do you know that the UN was directly responsible for aiding Castro? That it does absolutely nothing about the many thousands of Cuban youngsters who are shipped to Russia for communist indoctrination. Do you know that Adlai Stevenson, of all people, said the free world must expect to lose more and more decisions in the UN? Do you know that the UN openly proclaims that its chief objective is one world government, which means one world laws, one world court, one world army, one world navy, one world air force, one world schools, and a one world church in which Christianity would be prohibited. Do you know that a UN law has been passed to disarm all American citizens and to transfer all our armed forces to the UN? Such a law was secretly signed by Saint Jack Kennedy in 1961. Do you realize how that fits in with Article 47, Paragraph 3 of the UN Charter, which states, I quote, The Military Staff Committee of the UN shall be responsible through the Security Council for the strategic direction of all armed forces placed at the disposal of the Security Council, unquote. And when and if all our armed forces are transferred to the UN, your sons would be forced to serve and die under UN command all over the world. This will happen unless you fight to get the US out of the UN. Do you know that Congressman James Biot has submitted a bill to get the US out of the UN and a resolution to prevent our president from forcing us to support the UN embargoes on Rhodesia. Well, he has. And many people all over the country are writing to their representatives to support the UT bill and resolution. And did you know that to offset the UT bill and resolution, 50 congressmen spearheaded by Schweiker and Moorhead of Pennsylvania have introduced a bill to immediately transfer all our armed forces to the UN. Can you imagine such brazen treason? Is your congressman one of those 50 traitors? Find out 
and take immediate action against him and help Congressman Ott. Now, do you know that the National Council of Churches passed a resolution in San Francisco which states that the United States will soon have to subordinate its will to that of the UN and that all American citizens must be prepared to accept it. Is your church a member of the National Council of Churches? In connection with that, bear in mind that God is never mentioned in the UN Charter and their meetings are never opened with prayer. The creators of the UN stipulated in advance that there should be no mention of God or Jesus Christ in the UN Charter or in its UN headquarters. Does your pastor subscribe to that? Find out. Furthermore, do you know that the great majority of the so-called nations in the UN are anti-Christianity? That the UN is a completely godless organization by orders of its creators, the CFR Illuminati. Now, have you heard enough of the truth about the Illuminati's United Nations? Do you want to leave your sons and our precious country to the unholy mercy of the Illuminati's United Nations? If you don't, write, telegraph, or phone your representatives and senators that they must support Congressman Utt's bill to get the U.S. out of the U.N. and the U.N. out of the U.S. Do it today, now, before you forget. It is the only salvation for your sons and for our country. Now I have one more vital message to deliver. As I told you, one of the four specific assignments Rothschild gave Jacob Schiff was to create a movement to destroy religion in the United States with Christianity to be the chief target. For a very obvious reason, the Anti-Defamation League wouldn't dare to attempt it because such an attempt could create the most terrible bloodbath in the history of the world, not only for the ADL and the conspirators, but for the millions of innocent Jews. Schiff turned that job over to Rockefeller for another specific reason. The destruction of Christianity could be accomplished only by those who are entrusted to preserve it, by the pastors, the men of the cloth. As a starter, John D. Rockefeller picked up a young so-called Christian minister by the name of Dr. Harry F. Ward, Reverend Ward, if you please. At that time, he was teaching religion at the Union Theological Seminary. Rockefeller found a very willing Judas in this reverend. Thereupon, in 1907, he financed him to set up the Methodist Foundation of Social Service. And Ward's job was to teach bright young men to become so-called ministers of Christ and to place them as pastors of churches. While teaching them to become ministers, the Reverend Ward also taught them how to very subtly and craftily preach to their congregations that the entire story of Christ is a myth, to cast doubts on the divinity of Christ, to cast doubts about the Virgin Mary, in short, to cast doubts on Christianity as a whole. It was not to be a direct attack, 
but much of it by crafty insinuation that was to be applied in particular to the youth in the Sunday schools. Remember Lenin's statement, give me just one generation of youth and I'll transform the whole world. Then, in 1908, the Methodist Foundation of Social Service, which incidentally was America's first communist front organization, changed its name to the Federal Council of Churches. By 1950, the Federal Council of Churches was becoming very suspect. So in 1950, they changed the name to the National Council of Churches. Do I have to tell you more about how this National Council of Churches is deliberately destroying faith in Christianity? I don't think so. But this I will tell you. If you are a member of any congregation whose pastor and church are members of this Judas organization, you, your contributions, are helping the Illuminati's plot to destroy religion and your faith in God and Jesus Christ. Thus you are deliberately delivering your children to be indoctrinated with disbelief in God and church and which can easily transform them into atheists. Find out immediately if your church is a member of the National Council of Churches and for the love of God and your children. If it is, withdraw from it at once. However, let me warn you, that same destroy religion process has been infiltrated into other denominations. If you have seen the Negro March on Selma and other such demonstrations, you have seen how the Negro mobs are led and encouraged by ministers and even Catholic priests and nuns who march along with them. As a matter of fact, the Mormon church is about the only one I know of that is clean of that kind of Judas infiltration. But of course, there are many individual churches and pastors who are honest and sincere. Find one such for yourself and for your children. Incidentally, this same Reverend Harry F. Ward was also one of the founders of the American Civil Liberties Union, a notorious pro-communist organization. He was the actual head of it from 1920 to 1940. He also was a co-founder of the American League Against War and Fascism, which, under Browder, became the Communist Party of the United States. In short, Ward's entire background reeked of communism, and he was identified as a member of the Communist Party. He died a vicious traitor to both his church and country. And this was the man old John D. Rockefeller picked and financed to destroy America's Christian religion in accordance with the orders given to Schiff by the Rothschilds. In conclusion, I have this to say. You probably are familiar with the story of how one Dr. Frankenstein created a monster to do his will of destroying his chosen victims, but how instead, in the end, that monster turned on his own creator, Frankenstein, and destroyed him. Well, the Illuminati, CFR, has created a monster called the United Nations, 
who, supported by their minority groups, rioting Negroes, the traitorous mass communications media and the traitors in Washington, was created to destroy the American people. Well, we know all about that many-headed Hydra monster. We know the names of those who created that monster. We know all their names. And I predict that one fine day, the American people will come fully awake and cause that very monster to destroy its creator. True, the majority of our people are still being brainwashed, deceived, and deluded by our traitorous press, TV, and radio, and by our traitors in Washington. But surely, by now, enough is known about the UN to stamp that outfit as a deadly, poisonous rattlesnake in our midst. My only wonder is what it will take to awaken and arouse our people to the full truth. Perhaps this record will do it. A hundred thousand or a million copies of this record can do it. I pray to God it will. And I pray to him to inspire you, all of you, to spread this story via this record to all loyal Americans in your community. You can do it by playing it to study groups assembled in your homes, at meetings of the American Legion, the VFW, the DAR, all other civic groups and women's clubs, especially the women's clubs who have their sons' lives at stake. With this record, I have provided you with the weapon that will destroy the monster. For the love of God, of our country, and of your children, use it. Get a copy of it into every American home. Bear in mind that they permitted Hitler, a liberal socialist himself, who was financed by Krupp, Kennedy, the Warburgs, and the Rothschilds, to incinerate 600,000 Jews. Now, just why did the conspirators choose the word Illuminati for their satanic organization? Weishaupt himself said that the word is derived from Lucifer and means holders of the light. Using the lie that his objective was to bring about a one-world government to enable those with mental ability to govern the world and prevent all wars in the future. In short, using the word peace on earth as his bait, exactly as that same bait, peace, was used by the 1945 conspirators to foist the United Nations on us, Weishaupt, financed, I repeat, by the Rothschilds, recruited some 2,000 paid followers. These included the most intelligent men in the fields of arts and letters, education, the sciences, finance, and industry. He then established lodges of the Grand Orient, Masonic lodges, to be their secret headquarters. And I again repeat that in all of this, he was acting under orders from the House of Rothschild. The main features of the Weishaupt plan of operation required his Illuminati to do the following things to help them to accomplish their purpose. Number one use monetary and sex bribery to obtain control of men already in high places in the various levels of all governments and other fields of endeavor. 
Once influential persons had fallen for the lies, deceits, and temptations of the Illuminati, they were to be held in bondage by application of political and other forms of blackmail, threats of financial ruin, public exposure and physical harm, even death, to themselves and loved members of their families. Do you realize how many present top officials in our federal government in Washington are controlled in just that way by the CFR? Do you realize how many homosexuals in our State Department, the Pentagon, all federal agencies, even in the White House, are controlled that way? Number two, Illuminati and the faculties of colleges and universities were to cultivate students possessing exceptional mental ability, belonging to well-bred families with international leanings, and recommend them for special training in internationalism. Such training was to be provided by granting scholarships to those selected by the Illuminists. That gives you an idea what a Rhodes Scholarship means. It means indoctrination into accepting the idea that only a one-world government can put an end to recurring wars and strife. That's how the United Nations was sold to the American people. One of the most notable Rhodes Scholars we have in our country is Senator William J. Fulbright, sometimes referred to as Half-Bright. His entire voting record spells Illuminati. All such scholars were to be first persuaded and then convinced. The question of how and why the United Nations is the crux of the great conspiracy to destroy the sovereignty of the United States and the enslavement of the American people within a UN one world dictatorship is a complete and unknown mystery to the vast majority of the American people. The reason for this unawareness of the frightening danger to our country and to the entire free world is simple. The masterminds behind this great conspiracy have absolute control of all of our mass communications media, especially television, the radio, the press, and Hollywood. We all know that our State Department, the Pentagon, and the White House have brazenly proclaimed that they have the right and the power to manage the news, to tell us not the truth, but what they want us to believe. They have seized that power on orders from their masters of the great conspiracy. And the objective is to brainwash the people into accepting the phony peace bait to transform the United States into an enslaved unit of the United Nations One World Government. First of all, bear in mind that the so-called UN police action in Korea, fought by the United States, in which 150,000 of our sons were murdered and maimed, was part of the plot, just as the undeclared by Congress war in Vietnam, in which our sons are dying, is part of the plot, just as the plot against Rhodesia and South Africa, in which our sons will be dying, is part of the UN plot. However, the vitally important thing for all Americans, all you mothers of the boys who died in Korea and are now dying in Vietnam, to know 
is that our so-called leaders in Washington, who we elected to safeguard our nation and our Constitution, are the betrayers, and that behind them are a comparatively small group of men whose sole objective is to enslave the whole world of humanity in their satanic plot of one world government. Now, in order to give you a very clear picture of this satanic plot, I will go back to its beginning, clear back in the middle of the 18th century, and name the men who put that plot into action, and then bring you down to the present, today's status of that plot. Now, as a matter of further intelligence, a term used by the FBI, let me clarify the meaning of the expression, he is a liberal. The enemy, meaning the one world conspirators, have seized upon that word liberal as a cover-up for their activities. It sounds so innocent and so humanitarian to be liberal. Well, make sure that the person who calls himself a liberal or is described as a liberal is not in truth a red. Now then, this satanic plot was launched back in the 1760s when it first came into existence under the name of the Illuminati. This Illuminati was organized by one Adam Weishaupt, born a Jew, who was converted to Catholicism and became a Catholic priest. And then, at the behest of the then newly organized House of Rothschild, defected and organized the Illuminati. Naturally, the Rothschilds financed that operation. And every war since then, beginning with the French Revolution, has been promoted by the Illuminati operating under various names and guises. I okay, so I'm going to leave it there. Um, I think we pretty much know the rest of the story. Um, to recap, um, 40% tax um, in 1940 went to the middle class and um, Roosevelt said it was because of war. Uh, in 1916, Wilson re-elected uh, the same Roosevelt and tax reform foundations were built um, based off of the CFR um, Carnegie uh, Philanthropy Corporation Mellon Philanthropy Corporation and these were ways of controlling um, the tax free monies that were coming in um other things that were said were uh, Roosevelt um, was very much a part of the CFR and he ordered the murders of the Tsar and um, when the setup of the CFR Council Foreign Relations it was all Illuminati um, Ford and Rockefeller and 
and so forth. There was so many. I, I couldn't write them all down fast enough. And so then um, they blamed Hitler's plan for the Jews on the Versailles Treaty. I don't understand that. Um, one of the ways that the CFR had to manipulate people was with the TV and Hollywood. And also, Roosevelt manipulated with the newspapers and publications. So, you know, basically, people really didn't understand, you know, that they were being puppeted around. They didn't get it, you know, because they'd never run into anything quite so horrendous. And um, it was coming at them from all different directions. So I hope this was helpful. And thank you for listening.